Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey, it's the Tom Hartman Podcast brought to you by Cameron Hughes wine. There's a little secret that most people don't know about the highest quality wineries in the United States and how they work. They'll say, you know, as they start their year, okay, we're going to bottle, say, 5,000 bottles of wine this year. And so they overproduce for that, produce enough for maybe 6,000 bottles of wine. But, you know, they've, they've sold 5,000, they're ready to get 5,000 out. And so that's basically all they do under their own label. And then when they're done, they've got casks of wine left over that haven't been bottled. Cameron Hughes contracts with some of the very best vineyards in America to take that essentially surplus wine. I mean, you know, it's the exact same wine you would buy in a bottle for 50, 60, 100. Uh, One of the Cameron Hughes wines I had last week, the retail price, if you knew who the brand was, was over $150 a bottle. Cameron Hughes buys that in bulk, bottles it, puts just a simple number. Here it is, lot 546 or lot 622, simple number on it. And you get some of the most spectacular wines at huge discounts off what you would normally pay. Cameron Hughes has been doing this since 2001, seeking out high-end wine from around the world and selling it online direct to his customers. This is not just American wines. Earning Cameron Hughes wine the number one wine brand online. It's just extraordinary stuff. Uh, I recently sampled Lot 609. This is a Cabernet Sauvignon. It was insane. It was so good. It was bold. It was rich. It had... The, the black fruit and red licorice and crushed red rock, all these, these extraordinary tastes, juicy and ripe on the palate. You got to check this out. Go to chwine.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. C-H as in Cameron Hughes, that's his name, he, the guy who started the company and runs it. I've talked with him. He's a great guy, and he's doing amazing stuff. chwine.com slash T-H-O-M. Or text the word wine, W-I-N-E, text the word wine to 511 and you'll get free shipping with your minimum three-bottle order. So text WINE to 511-511. Cameron Hughes Wine. Exceptional value. Extraordinary wine. Now enjoy the podcast. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Good morning, everybody. I'm Tom Hartman. Now, I'm Jefferson Smith, but this is the Tom Hartman Program. Thanks for joining us. Tough week. It is the last day of June. 
It also happens to be my birthday. My name is Jefferson Smith. I am honored to join you today. In the past, I've had a chance to ask, and you've had a chance to offer thoughts on what's the big lie, on what's our big why, on what's our big try. And rather than taking merely inspiration from Dr. Seuss, on anything goes Friday, I want to take inspiration from you. Given that it is going to be July very soon, I want to talk about Christmas in almost July. Now, my family engages in something that is mostly not real. There is not really a war on Christmas. The war on Christmas, as far as I can tell, consisted of two parts. One part, a suggestion that if you have and celebrate Christmas, the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, one might also consider remembering other religions and celebrations as well. And that's sort of what the Supreme Court has said, that you can have your religious celebratory display outside your public building, but maybe also have a Star of David. And that's been the war on Christmas. Remember that other religions exist. The second part of the war on Christmas is by my own family, who has decided not to give me presents on Christmas. And in fact, create almost a strict prohibition against presents on Christmas. Now, they do this with good motives, I recognize. And they do allow one present per family member. We do a very modest gift exchange, but I like presents very much. There is not a real war on Christmas. There is a real war on democracy. I don't say this to be inflammatory. I don't say this for ratings. This ain't my show. I don't say it because there are longer words that feel more accurate. I say it because it is the most accurate, simplest, shortest, fewest syllabic. That's a word of not very many syllables. Syllabalistic? Way of describing what is happening in the United States. And it has at least four differences with the war on Christmas. The first difference is that it is real. It is not made up by Fox News. It is not made up by the right-wing talk radio, which dominates almost all of AM radio in this country. The first difference is that it is real. Second difference is it has lots of parts. The two parts of the war on Christmas in this country, as far as I can tell, is remembering that other religions also exist and might have celebrations and me not getting very many presents. The war on democracy has lots of parts. This week that we are, I'm not going to say mercifully getting through, because for all the people that thought 2016 was a painful year, how many people felt 2017 was a better year, and how many people are feeling that 2018 is a better year? I'm not saying next week is going to be better. I'm saying we have to gird ourselves because it's going to be tough, and we've got to be strong for the long haul. We've got to be compassionate for the long haul. But this past week has been a reminder if we are paying attention, about that war on democracy. Here are some of the parts. We are now seeing that the swiped seat of Supreme Court justice will succeed almost certainly in long-term transformation of the Supreme Court. Barack Obama, the first black president of the United States, being denied his Supreme Court appointment, is going to shape and change the Supreme Court over a long time, unless maybe Susan Collins says otherwise. We know now 
that this Supreme Court is allowing states to gerrymander or gerrymander. I say gerrymander because the guy's name was Elbridge Gary, not Tom and Jerry. But most people say gerrymandering, and I'm not trying to be too much of a weirdo. We know that now there has been ongoing state-by-state voter suppression. We know that there is gutting of labor unions. We know there is a rigging of of the census. We know there is disenfranchisement of people who have paid their debt to society in incarceration and now in many states are prohibited from permanently participating in democracy. We know that there is unlimited secret buying of elections. We know that there are attacks on journalism, and I'm not just talking about the murders that happened just recently. We know that there is a gaslighting of America in the media outlets that do exist that aren't being attacked. And we also know that there is a purchase of the media and the media that isn't getting attacked is the kind of media that's purchased. That is not a fake war on Christmas. That is a real war on democracy. Today is Anything Goes Friday. Talk about anything you want. Within reason, I suspect. Questions I've got include, what's the big fight? And because we don't only want to reinforce frames of violence, what's the big debate? What's the big discussion? What's the big argument? Or if you prefer, what's the big fight? And also, where can you have big impact? Because part of the challenge, and I've said this before, is that there is a risk that we operate as cats chasing lasers, that we operate as gnats, and by that I don't mean that we are small and have short lifespans, excuse me, small and not powerful, but that we have short lifespans, and that if we are born... At the turn of July, we think the world has always been sunny. And if we were born at the turn of December, we think it has always been cold. We have to gird ourselves for a long-term discussion. When the Koch brothers et al. set course on change in the United States, they recognized it might take a 40 to 50 year course in order to accomplish it. With the announcement of Anthony Kennedy's retirement, for anybody who read the book that Tom suggested that you read, And one of those books is Democracy in Chains. McLean makes the case, makes the point, finds the historical underpinning, the data to suggest and demonstrate that the number one objective was taking the courts. Because if you could shape the definition of the Constitution, if you could define the fundamental precepts, principles in our founding document, then you could control democracy. You could put democracy in chains. And with the locking into the Supreme Court, That movement has reached a crescendo, but did not reach a crescendo because it was a cat ably following laser beams. It was a reached a crescendo because it built tide over time. What's the big fight? What's the big debate? And where can you have and where can we have big impact? This is the Tom Hartman Show. I'm Jefferson Smith. It's my birthday. Be nice. Thank you for being here. It is very much an honor. Let's hear from the very first caller we got. Joe calling from Portland, Oregon. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Jefferson, happy birthday to you. And I want to say the single thing we need to do most to start a long-range fight to overcome what has been happening over the last 40 years is to develop a system of public financing for campaigns so that candidates are looking not to folks with big pockets, to but to lots of folks folks with small pockets. I should disclose something. Joe from Portland sounds suspiciously like my dad and must have called before the show started to get first in line. I admire your diligence and discipline and preparation. I know, I don't believe you ever made Eagle Scout, but I know that you were a Boy Scout back in the day. 
and are an Eagle Scout in my heart. Thank you for calling. Make the case, though. You have made something, and, and without, uh, there are lots of calls we want to get in. I love you, Dad, and thank you for calling. But make the quick case for why public financing. You have said to me since I was a small child that done right, it addresses root cause. In about 40 seconds, make that case. What, what you have to have is you have to have a system where everybody, at least every voter, has a small amount of money that they can donate for free. In other words, by they either get chit for it or they get a tax credit for it. But the best thing is they get a chit that they have something in their hand that they, that they can donate to candidate or candidates. And then have a system where they also are urged to listen to... I hung up on my own dad. I hung up on my own dad. You have to understand, this little button has a hair trigger. And I just, I just hair triggered my own father. Dad, I love you. And luckily, we have had this conversation before, so I can finish your thought. That if you did a system like democracy dollars, like the system that the Yale professor suggested, like Pop suggested in front, I think, what, the Salem City Club 40 years ago, like the... Uh, like now is being proposed by every voice, some mechanism of a democracy voucher, of a, of a small donation that you could give, like Seattle has done, uh, then it would not only get people a better ability to weigh in on elections, it would also motivate elected officials to visit every single person, to build a campaign not only focused on four and five figure and six figure and seven figure dark money contributions, but kind of the kind of campaigns that got the doorsteps, that got the phone calls, that yeah, used the web to get lots and lots of people. Imagine, imagine if you will, instead of just holding a boardroom meeting where everybody is there, I remember having a conversation with Ron Wyden about this. He says, well, the thing is, Gordon Smith, former U.S. Senator, could, uh, you know, he'll just, he'll call up a stockbroking stock firm and they'll invite their buddies and they'll have 20 people in the room, each of them be able to give the federal maximum for themselves and their spouse for both the primary and the general. That's about $10,000 each. If they get 20 people in the room, that's a $200,000 lunch. And it was harder for Ron Wyden, the Democrat, to do that. But imagine if you could go to a house party of 50 people and each of them had $50 they could give. And imagine you could schedule four of those on a Sunday. I've done four on a Sunday. And imagine you did 220 of those over a campaign. I've done 220 of those during a campaign. And then imagine all of those people investing in the campaign. Where would politicians go? They'd go to you because you are where the power would be. And that's where the power is supposed to be. The call-in number is 202-808-9925. It is Anything Goes Friday. we got a good set of callers coming up. I want to say thanks, everybody, for calling. I'm Jefferson Smith. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be back in a second. This is the Tom Hartman Show. I'm Jefferson Smith. Today is Anything Goes Friday. The call-in number is 202-808-9925. We're taking your calls, and thank, thank you for giving them to us. This morning, I am making the case that while we know that the war on Christmas is fake, it's made up for TV, it's made up to gin up and distract and amuse and confuse, that the war on democracy is real. And in fact, it's not overstated to call it that, I would argue that the vast bulk of the public conversation is understating it. The question is, what do you think the big fight is? Or the big argument, the big discussion, if we want to avoid violent metaphor. And where can you have, where can we have, where can this community 
that gathers whenever it can daily from 9 to noon Pacific, from noon to 3 Eastern. From That would make it, what, 11 to 2 Central Time? What are we getting together for? Where can we have the biggest impact? Where can you have your biggest impact? Where are you having your biggest impact now? What is helping you getting to get through the day, both to take care of yourself, to take care of your family, your community, and also to do something about democracy? I want to ask Omar to join us. Omar, can you hear me? Yes, sir, Jeff. How are you doing today? Listen, I am really tired of, of Democrats bringing a knife to a gunfight. I think that the, the word that we should use is fight. I'm sorry, with all due respect. Happy birthday to you, but I'm using the word fight because it's time now to fight. Okay? We, the biggest thing is, is the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, like you said earlier, they're going to shape the Constitution. They're going to put a war on steroids, on unions, on a voter right. On, 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 and basically the right of every individual. And this is a strategy by the Koch brothers from day one. You're absolutely right. And, and, and your father was 100% right regarding small donation. Perfect example, Bernie Sanders did exactly what your dad said. And look how far it got him. So you're saying, you're making the case small donation is good, and it got him far, or you're saying small donation is not enough because Bernie Sanders isn't the president? No, the, the, what I'm saying is small donation is right. I yeah. think he was stopped. I think he was stopped by a corporation. I think yeah. there was a collusion between the establishment and Democrats and Republicans that big donors' money is needed. Small donors' money is not needed. Okay? And we need to stop Bernie Sanders because he's demonstrating to America that. And, and what I'll say, I think we, I think we lost you, Omar. The, uh, and while I don't want to spend the day relitigating 2016 election, I do want to capture something really important that you said and jump off from it. And that is that not only can a candidate and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, showed some additional success just recently. Not only can you have success building a grassroots campaign, but you also doing that sometimes will lose. And one of the reasons you might lose running that kind of campaign is that somebody else is buying more guns, maybe offered by fewer people. And that what changing the rules does in favor of a more small D democratic donor system is make it more possible for people to play by the same rules and for the person who's trying to build a human being based campaign not to be punished for running that campaign. In fact, that's the reason for rules, period. That's why we have regulations, so that the good person, the person who's trying to do it right, the companies that, trying, that is trying not to pollute, is not being outcompeted by somebody who's cheating. That's why you have rules. We'll be back in a second. This is the Tom Hartman Show. You're listening to, some of you are watching the Tom Hartman program. I'm Jefferson Smith. You don't have to adjust your camera. Opening the show, talking about how as we enter July, as we are about to celebrate our patriotism, and I even want to, in the next hour, make the case for patriotism and how at this political moment, I think it could be a powerful tool, not for oppression, but a powerful tool to bend the arc of history towards justice. But it also made me think about the fake war on Christmas. There's fake Christmas in July, and there's a fake war on Christmas, but there is a real war on democracy. From the Supreme Court to gerrymandering to voter suppression to unlimited secret money to rigging of the census to disenfranchisement of voters to other acts to suppress votes to attacks on journalists, there is 
a war. There is an attack on our system of governance, the best parts of our systems of governance, so that non-majoritarian policies, so that oligarchic policies, so that oppressive policies can win. Because the people of the United States have a conscience. The people of the United States, if offered time and real information to apply their sober second sense, usually come to the right conclusion. Unless the game gets rigged. And there has been, over the last several decades, an effort to rig the game against regular people and against compassion. It is Anything Goes Friday. We're going to take your calls, but I promised something, and I want to keep that promise. How is the war on democracy different from the war on Christmas? I offer two differences already. One, war on democracy is real. War on Christmas is fake. Two, the war on democracy is important. The idea of war on Christmas is frivolous. Three, the war on Christmas is flashy and interesting on a Fox News chyron. The war on democracy is complicated. It moves slowly. It happens brick by brick. It doesn't happen because of a single rally in the street or even a big set of jackbooted thugs in the street. It happens by rule change after rule change after rule change. And we slowly lose the ability for the will of the people to govern the country. And relatedly, the war on Christmas is loud. The war on democracy is quiet. And we have to make it less quiet. The reason this court sits, the reason this show can exist, the reason I'm so glad that you're listening and calling in is that this has to be out in the open. Because democracy is something the country wants. It's even something that a bunch of people behind the red wall want. In order for us to understand what is at stake, we have to communicate about that. I understand it's harder to do that as the media is getting occupied, getting purchased. I understand it's harder to do that as the rules get changed, but it makes what you're doing, what makes we're do- it makes what we are doing even more important. Let's go to calls. We will go to Tony on Free Speech TV. Tony, can you hear me? Yes, I can hardly, though. You're very quiet. Is it really? Yeah. Um, it might be my phone. Well, I'm hoping anyway, it's your phone. Otherwise, I will you. yell more loudly. Okay, good. Happy birthday to you. Thanks, man. Uh, what I wanted to talk about was uh, as soon as the, uh, the rebels take over the media to take over the country, and our media has been taken over. Yeah. But not, not with force, but with money. Yep. So what I'm thinking is, what about these, there's got to be billionaire liberals out there that could part with some of their money and put it into the media. Like, for instance, George Soros, he does a lot of good on the liberal causes. Why doesn't he put most of his money or a lot of his money to the media? I, could, I, like this. I, I, I couldn't agree more, and I'll offer two thoughts. One is okay. that uh, the one of the challenges is, is that usually when people talk about liberal billionaires, they are not necessarily motivated by, as their, as their number one political objective, that liberals of wealth very often are not motivated as their number one political objective, the economic, if not equalization, but equal opportunization of the American economy. That very often economic issues beyond direct help to the poor or sick, for instance, but addressing wealth disparities has not been a sufficiently loud or popular cause celeb 
among people of wealth. I hope that it will be. But one can tell a story about, that's eh, a little contra self-interest. You'd rather talk about other issues that don't interrupt your wealth and power. That could include race, although that's hard for people benefiting from white privilege to want to prioritize. You could talk about sexism, although that's something that it's hard for people benefiting from patriarchal privilege to engage in to prioritize. You could talk about lots of issues. You could talk about guns. Bloomberg will talk about guns. But when it comes mm -hmm. to having a media that talks about wealth disparities, that talks about one of the biggest threats to democracy, as Justice Brandeis acknowledged, Finding the billionaires to prioritize that, number one, is tricky. I don't know if billionaires are going to save us. The other thing, though, is I just got to say that I agree, that we do need investment, small and large, in communications outlets that get to truth and are pro-democracy, not only pro-property. How about uh, progressive companies, then, to, to uh, would have commercials yep. again, uh, but they would be progressive, you know. Yep. Anytime we said anything wrong to them, they could get out of it. Yep. And I, and I think that it's a, and, and again, I think it's a both and strategy, both helping in the current economic system, engaging with people and organizations that are giving a better and more fair share of their profits and also trying to build new systems. I, and, and, and I say this, uh, well, I won't characterize it further. The uh, looking for people who are trying to use new economic models to provide value that isn't only based on the accretion of capital and the accretion of profit for the very, very few. And how do we, how do we promote that stuff? I think we need a fundamental transformation in this country. And I say that as someone who wore polo shirts in high school and college and never thought of myself as much of a revolutionary. In fact, I was described as conservative by a buddy of mine in college, although he hadn't talked politics that much. He, he, he misguessed who I was. But I would have yeah. characterized myself as a moderate. I don't know that my politics have changed, but my understanding of what's happening in the world has certainly changed. Uh, okay, I'll let somebody else come in. Tony, thanks a lot. Hey, do you brush with an electric toothbrush, or have you wanted to? If you're using one of the one of the older, bigger, bulkier, you know, and some of them you know, are so aggressive they can even damage your mouth, uh, tooth, electric toothbrushes, uh, or if you've never used an electric toothbrush, I want you to pay attention. There's a new electric toothbrush. Time Magazine called it the invention of the year, right? Uh, it's called Quip, Q-U-I-P. It's slim, it's lightweight, it's about the size of a regular toothbrush. It's got a, you know, a little AAA battery inside that powers it and powers it for months at a time uh, be, between changes. And it, it does a really great job. It aggressively cleans your teeth, but it does so in a way that's good for your gums and good for your teeth. It's a, the perfect two-minute clean. So check this thing out. And it's great for traveling. It comes with a little tube that you can drop it in to travel because, like I said, it's about the size of a regular toothbrush, much, much smaller than your, than your big electric toothbrushes. And you can find out all about it at getquip.com slash Tom. That's G-E-T, getquip, Q-U-I-P, dot com slash T-H-O-M. Getquip.com slash Tom for more information. It's only 25 bucks and they send you the refills, the, the brush heads that you're supposed to replace every three months. Every three months, they'll send those to you for only $5 free shipping. It's an amazing deal. Getquip.com slash Tom. Dave, calling from Chicago on the midterm elections. Hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I'm thinking of Justice Stevens leaving us as a gift in one respect, that if they do an appointment... You mean, you mean Justice midterm, Kennedy? You mean Justice Kennedy, yeah? Yes, yeah, so I'm sorry. Thank <laughs> All you, good. Justice Keep Kennedy. going. Yeah. 
if if they do hire a new justice before the midterms, it could create apathy for the religious right, thinking they have the courts locked up so they don't have to go vote this time. Yeah, it's it, it's a good question. The uh, I don't know how it'll play. I do think there is some degree of a Heisenberg principle. Our focus on how things will play, our analysis of the thing impacts the thing. And so I want to spend more energy than is typically spent on not only predicting and analyzing the thing, but encouraging the thing that we want. Uh, right. So we still got to get out and people to vote and, and yeah. more voters and yeah. all that. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but, but I will say for, for Justice Kennedy's legacy, and I clerked on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is his former, uh, his former court. And Alex, uh, and Alex Kaczynski the, uh, was the feeder judge to Justice Kennedy. He was the conservative recently, uh, recently retired in some scandal. Uh, uh, Ninth Circuit Justice who would send, and, he, and Kaczynski worked uh, down, the, down the building from my judge's offices. And Justice Kennedy was no moderate. He was viewed as a moderate more recently, and, and people should remember, he authored Citizens United. He provided the fifth vote to make the Second Amendment a personal rather than a collective right. Uh, I would not describe him as, as a moderate. In the modern context, he was a swing vote because of how far things have swung to the right. But his final move proved his stripes as a partisan operative. And I say this Absolutely. not to be mean to the man. But I say this because the timing was absolutely chosen, absolutely in coordination. I would say, and, and maybe contrary to what you said, I think two gin up votes in the coming election, but also to make sure that it could happen. And by the way, suspicious to me that it happened right after. It, it, it seemed to me obvious that it was known because McConnell said, hey, we're not taking August recess. And Kennedy's announcement came on the last week of the Supreme Court's term. He did not make that decision in the last week of the Supreme Court's term. He had made that decision already. So to me, he proved his stripes as a partisan operative. And that shouldn't surprise us because who is being selected ever since Justice Rehnquist? Justice Rehnquist got his start as a Republican operative, not as a not as a nonpartisan lawyer who read books and opined, but as a partisan operative. And ever since Justice Rehnquist, they figured out they needed and, and really ever since Warren, when they when a Republican nominee picked somebody who ended up leading a liberal court. We can't have that anymore, they said. Republican president said we got to pick operatives because we can trust operatives more than we can trust people who go to country clubs and seem smart. So now he has proven himself as somebody who's in on the joke and the joke's on you and the joke's on me. Thanks for calling. Right. All right. We got a call from Johnny calling from Lamarck on alternatives to funding. Yeah. Yes, sir. I hear this all the time by people on both sides, but I never hear an actual sustainable way to do this. And this is a multi-part thing, so give me a minute to get this uh -oh. out. Oh, go ahead. Okay, so besides the obvious fact that we have a long-term goal of meeting a progressive tax code similar to the early 1950s, but with no loopholes for ultra-wealthy, and needing to set a national goal of up to 40% of our businesses be set up as horizontally based, in other words, co-op businesses rather than the traditional top-down predatory type of business, besides those two long-term goals, yeah. In the short term, what we need to do is to require uh, TV networks to provide free airtime to all candidates and do it in such a way yeah. that both candidates' views are aired in the same broadcast or in the same time frame on the same day the following week. 
which yeah. and also the Carter, no the Carter Commission. Or industrial um, donations to these candidates, and no political ads from corporations within 12 months of an election. Although, although the, I have some question about the last thing, no ads in the last 12 months, unless the, uh, and I guess what you mean is that there will only be publicly funded uh, stuff that happened in the last 12 months. Uh, the last 12 months, in fact, the last month is when lots of people are paying attention. It's one of the reasons why same-day voter registration is so important and why uh, early voter registration limits are a tool to suppress votes. But the but yeah, I mean, some of what you were saying was uh, was pushed by the Carter Commission and, and which was and I think Gerald Ford sat on the same commission when they were making recommendations to have a better democracy. The challenge is and here was my here was my insight the night before my birthday uh, was that as I was thinking about what we might talk about today, that we get befuddled when uh, there is a constant stream of misinformation from the White House. We get befuddled why Mitch McConnell can say, oh, well, you can't appoint a Supreme Court justice in election year unless it's the election of a Democrat or the election versus the election of a Republican. The thing that's going on is they're playing a different game with a different objective, a different set of values. It's not that they're playing a same game with a little different set of ideas. I want to talk about that different game next. It's Anything Goes Friday. This is The Tom Hartman Show. I'm Jeff. You're you. Thanks for being here. You're listening to Tom Hartman Show. I'm Jefferson Smith. Thanks for doing it. It is June 29th. It is the last show of June. We're talking about fake Christmas, real war on democracy, and taking your calls on Anything Goes Friday. Zach, calling from Hollywood, California. How do we get here? How do we get out? Yes, oh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, yes, we have to fight, but we fight with information against misinformation. You know, it's a pity 500 radio stations to tell Trump's base, and they really need to hear this and actually comprehend it and to expose this 35-year-old lie that brown people in the left took your jobs when it was really greedy company bosses and the sapsuckers on Wall Street that took your jobs. And, you know, they invested a lot of money to, you know, for that lie. And it's really unrestrained free market capitalism, guys, that took your jobs. And it's simple. The right crashes economies. They start expensive wars and they chase destructive profit. They never help the working Americans. Wake up. It's time to choose right. And before when I was here and asked the question of the big lie. Yes. And I've been and I've been thinking for a while about it, really, ever since I had the, it was like the first time I had a chance to uh, sit in. And to me, that big lie is equating freedom or actually equating economic power and calling it freedom. Uh, that really what it is is the power to exclude, the power to arrest if someone walks on your land, and calling that freedom, we've got to change that rhetorical architecture. Thanks so much for calling. Thanks. We'll be back in a sec. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Hi there. I'm Jeff. This is the Tom Hartman Show. Thanks for being with us. It's June 29th. It is Anything Goes Friday, which means you can answer any question you choose to answer or pose the question you choose to pose. A couple that I have posed is, what's the big fight and where can you have your big impact? Right now, I want to hear from Tom 
Tom's been waiting very patiently. He's going to a rally for children. Tom, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, tomorrow I'm going to be getting up early and going down to uh, down the, a couple of miles from my house. I live in San Bruno, go down to Redwood City and are at the steps of the old county courthouse to, to attend that rally for the children. It is very, I've never been married or had any kids, but I want to do my part for that, that movement big time. And I think, and I have been pushing my elected officials, both at the congressional level and, I, and even at the, uh, my, state, my U.S. senator, for the impeachment of Donald Trump. I've also been attended a rally by Tom Steyer. He's the only billionaire willing and not afraid to stand up to this supposedly uh, president at all. I mean, I'm sorry, but I got to do what I can. And I know there's a, I'm going to go try to campaign. I'm going to help get out the vote uh, for some gal running for Congress down in Southern California. I'm going to even go on a train to go help this lady and her husband. I'm going to do what I can. But I hope we can turn it around because I have been actually thinking I may have to leave this country. And this is the country of my birth. You had me until you had me until that last piece. You had okay, me until I'm that sorry. last piece because ultimately, how I, I I'm gonna I'm waxing sanguine to some degree as we go into the Fourth of July. That and and it's not gonna be the primary thing I focus on this hour. I think it will be something I focus on more in the third hour. But the uh, the fight for democracy is inextricably linked. It's not sufficient, but is inextricably linked to the fight against oppression. And I think that this country, if people of good faith, if people of good objective, if people who value democracy and compassion and humanity abdicate that fight in this country, it's not that this country won't still wield power. It will. It'll just wield it worse. So even if you don't, even if you don't have fealty to a particular flag, even if you don't have fealty to you know, somewhat arbitrary borders that have criminality in their past. Still, fighting here to make sure that this lever of power is levered in slightly more virtuous ways, I believe is a worthwhile expenditure of time, resource, and energy. I'm glad you haven't left the country, but that was a small thing that you said. That was, that was a, 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 sort of a, a sideways punchline. The real thing you were talking about is exactly what we're talking about. The coalition of the benevolently irrational, the good people doing good things for no good reason. People like you going to child rallies, not because rallies for children, not because you have children, not because you know those kids, but because you're a decent human being and you think power should be wielded decently. Yes, and that kind of thing, the good people doing good things for no good reason, you are priceless, worth a lot, not for sale. That's the hope, man. You bet. Well, by God, are you, uh, you, you feeling in real good for Tom and happy birthday, <laughs> you know, and happy birthday. And, and I'm going to be doing this tomorrow and I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to give what dollars I can to some real tough congressional candidates. And uh, my, my congresswoman and my uh, uh, senator in California, Kamala Harris, she's in the thick of the fight. So yep. I can tell you right now, she's not she's not afraid to back down. Yep. You know, all right. So I don't know what else I can tell you. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thanks for telling us some stuff. All right. Thank you much. Bye-bye. Zanda, listen and watching on YouTube. How you doing? Hi. Yes, I'm here. Go ahead. You want to talk about deregulated capitalism from Washington State? Yes, I do. Um, I want to make a, a couple of points. Um, first of all, I want to tell you that I'm moving from Washington to Brownsville, Texas. All right. And I, and I speak Spanish, and I'm a retired psychotherapist basically from Los Angeles. That's what my I mom worked. did in, in South Pasadena. Oh, really? Yeah, small world. That's, that's hilarious. My last apartment 
uh, in L.A. was actually in South Pasadena, a beautiful place. And Tiny I'm world. Sick. Anyway, anyway uh, your question today was what's the big fight and how do we get out of it? Yeah. And I have some answers. Uh, Thank goodness. Actually, uh, they're, um, first of all, I want to say that um, I, I got my first ever panic attack the day that I heard that Ronald Reagan had been elected which I think is, as a psychologist, I find that very uh, interesting at any rate. Um, and what we're seeing today is what Naomi Klein uh, describes eloquently in the shock doctrine. Um, uh, the Trump regime, and I won't dignify it with the word administration, it's more of a regime, in my opinion, they're doing the three things that Naomi Klein says always kills an economy. They're doing deregulation. Uh, they're doing privatization. They're making deep cuts to social programs. That basically will kill an economy and create havoc. And, and, uh, and it has, and, and, and Zanda, it has consistently. It doesn't happen no, every day, but it happens every few decades. Every time... You know, it, and 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 the, and the weird thing is, like, imagine the imagine New York Stock Exchange. New York Stock Exchange, its hallmark is strict rules. You can't lie. Mm -hmm. You've got to make mm -hmm. sure that you communicate certain information. The stuff right. is listed in a particular way. Everybody gets a little letter code. You got to use the same letter code. You can't fake it. And use somebody else's letter code. And when you make a market, you regulate that market, not because you're trying to be a jerk, but just so you can make sure that market works. Even separating morality from it entirely, just to make that market work. Once, if you if you were going to turn it into the jungle, the market just wouldn't work. Eventually, it would break. Well, I don't think we really need to separate the market from morality. Yeah. And uh, with that segue, I will mention the name Alexander Foxley. Uh, he's a guy from the UK. He wrote two books. And uh, let me tell you this, I'm 72 years old. And having had the career that I did, you can imagine that I've read a lot of books in my life. Yeah. And I, ha I have to say... Uh, for, for today's world, I believe that Alexander Foxley has written the best two books that I've ever read. This, and his, these books came out. In is that, is that Fo forgive me, I don't know the author. Is that Foxley, F-O-X-L-E-Y? How do you spell that? It's F-O-X-L-E-I-G-H. -E yeah. Okay, oh, thanks. It's a very, it's a very uh, UK sort of yeah. <laughs> way of spelling it. His first name is Alexander. I really love it if Tom would just give these two books a, a, a read. They're they're very, both very short, very inexpensive. Well, I appreciate I appreciate I appreciate the plug, and so does Mr. Foxley. Yeah, well, I bet he does, and he deserves it. His uh -huh. first book is oh, called. Oh, they're Let's, about they're about Let's... to take us to commercial. But Zanna, thank you so oh. much for the call. Okay. Be well. You listen, to Tom Hartman Show. I'm Jeff. Happy Christmas in June. You know, in the world of work, one of the most important things is one of the things that people probably think the least about until they have to sit in it, which is their chair. And the X chair is absolutely extraordinary. This is the new high tech. In fact, they've got a brand new version. It's called the X3, the newest version of the X chair. It is comfortable. It is high tech. And yes, I'll say it. It is sexy. This chair is extraordinary and it will dramatically, consequentially improve your concentration and productivity because it's going to help your posture. And, you know, if you're not in pain and, you're, and your blood is working, you know, flowing well, your brain is going to work well. 
And UX3 is quite simply the most modern, ergonomic, high-tech, comfortable office chair in the world, period. The X3's unique ATR fabric makes it feel like you're literally floating on air. And its patented split-back lumbar technology provides a cradling, customized feel that has to be experienced to believe. You need to see and feel the X3 for yourself. Go to xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com now to check out the X3's perfect blend of design and ergonomics. A lot of people, you know, checking these out and going for these chairs. Supplies are limited, so don't wait. Order at xchairtom.com. And if you do it now, you get $100 off. That's xchairtom.com. Or you can call them at 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. This chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. That's how good it is. Go to xchairtom.com right now. Use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, to get a free footrest. xchairtom.com. Now back to the podcast. I'm Jefferson Smith. You're listening to The Tom Hartman Show. It is Anything Goes Friday. You are listening, you are watching on Free Speech TV. And we've got Jeff, I don't think a relation, who wants to talk right. about public banking, and so do I. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, well, I just last night went to the number five, the fifth uh, task force meeting in San Francisco for a public bank. And uh, Does it have a chance a in San Francisco? Of, pardon? Does it have a chance? Does a public bank have a chance of passing in San Francisco? Um, I don't know. With politics, we have a some banker there, you know, he's, I could tell he's a shrill for the the banks. He's like saying, Oh, you can't do this. It's really hard. Yep. You know, and I threw my, I got a chance to talk at the end. First, you know, you're for two hours, the people at the table talk about how, how it's going to look like and everything else. And, but it's pretty simple, but I finally, everybody got the chance to share. And I said, they took the option of using what's in the pooled investment PIP. I can't remember what that stands for. Pool investment portfolio. Yep. There's nine billion dollars in that, and we could use that and lend that out like fractional reserve banking does at nine times the amount. You know what the return it's getting uh, a year? Less no, I than don't. One percent. Say it again. Less than one. It's got less than one yeah. percent return in 425 days. I'm paying. So I said I'm paying eight percent on a student loan. Yep. Give me, I'll, you, I'll, I'll pay you two, I'll double what you're making right now, 2%. For some reason, that got taken off the table that you can't use the pooled investment uh, um, portfolio. And, and, so and, and we don't have, and, and in this country, we don't have a sovereign investment fund as a lot of other countries have. We don't have a pool of money that says, hey, let's take some public money and let's invest it. Uh, let's use, if it is one response to all the folks who are saying, let's run government like a business. Well, there's a lot of reasons that's wrong because we want a democracy, not merely a dictatorship. But some ways, shepherding resources smartly, that sounds pretty good. This country has blocked and conservatives have successfully blocked for generations a sovereign wealth fund in this country. We should probably have one. But the other thing you're making the case for uh, in San Francisco is a public bank. Here's the, it, government has been described, the United States government, when you look at the federal budget, federal budget, it's about 75 percent of which goes to Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, Service and the National Debt and U.S. military. If you look at those things. People look at that and say, you know what, basically the U.S. government is an insurance company backed by a standing army. And if you were to take Abraham Lincoln's line, which he may never have said, but it's a great line, that uh, government should do the things that the people can't do for themselves, raises the question, what is the proper role for government? Government as an insurance company isn't a terrible idea because operating an insurance company 
is, doesn't require terrific innovation. Similarly, operating a bank doesn't require significant innovation. It doesn't have to move super quick. It doesn't have to get me a new app on my phone. It doesn't have to figure out what new gadget I want to use to operate my automobile. It can operate slowly and deliberately. And the move for public banks has been blocked. It's a great way to garner wealth for private organizations, but operating a public bank is an interesting thing. San Francisco is the kind of place, what percentage chance you give it before we go to break? Uh, I don't know. I'll give it. I'll give it fifty-fifty. Fifty-fifty. I'll be optimistic, but there's a lot of push. LA has put up a vote. You know the LA. Yeah, no. There's people in Portland who are working on it. Portland, Oregon. Uh, we'll come back from commercial in a little bit, but I really appreciate the topic. This is the Tom Hartman Show. I'm Jeff. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. I'm Jefferson Smith. It is Anything Goes Friday. It is the final stretch. We're going to go straight to your calls. Eric on Resistance Radio. We're going to get you in just a second. But right now we've had Jason Gafori waiting for a long time. Jason, go ahead. One of the big questions this morning is how are people having impact? How are you having impact in your local community? Yeah, thanks, Jefferson. Uh, happy birthday to you, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I didn't realize it was your birthday until it I is. heard all that on the, on the air. Yes. So, uh, we in Portland I'm 25 uh, have, go ahead uh, <laughs> we've we've launched uh, a couple of very progressive measures uh, that we hope are models for the country here uh, we are doing a campaign finance reform effort uh, a lot of people don't know this around the country Oregon is one of five states that have no limits at all uh, on political contributions so uh, Phil Knight uh, the Nike billionaire just handed a $500,000 check half a million dollars what's that half a million dollars Half a million dollar check to the Republican gubernatorial candidate here uh, a few months ago, and that's fine in Oregon. Uh, and so we, um, in the city of Portland, uh, passed with 89% of, of the county voters in 2016 a campaign finance reform measure uh, that would put $500 limits on people running for the county races. Uh, and it's unheard of to have an 89% yes vote on a yeah. referendum. Uh, so that shows how popular the issue is. And we uh, are now uh, at the final stretch, one week to go, uh, to put a similar measure for the city of Portland. Uh, we have collected approximately 43,000 signatures as of last night. How many do you need? Uh, we, we, we need, we need 50,000 to yeah. feel safe about it. Um, you know, at, at, if we had a 70% validity uh, at 47.5, we lose. We, we need 34,125. Yeah. Magic number. So. Yeah. Um, our, our goal so is So if you only turn in 43,000, you'd be cutting a little close. Yes. No. Yeah. We're going to be working for the next week. Uh, our goal is 1,000 signatures a day. Yep. Uh, we had 25, 30 volunteers out um, collecting last night. Uh, we got 350 volunteer signatures from the group. Uh, it was fabulous. And uh, we're going to be hitting the streets all weekend long. Uh, we're teaming up with another um, great progressive measure, the Portland Clean Energy Fund, uh, which actually is, I think it's the first in the nation model of taking some of the big corporations, uh, corporations with over a billion dollars in national revenue, and if they have over 500000 in sales uh, locally here in yep. Portland, they're going to add a 1% business tax to what, to what already exists as a Portland business tax for those entities and take, that, take those millions of dollars and put it into uh, retrofitting homes. to make J Jason, where can, where, where can we find out more about the measure you're working on or the other one you mentioned? This, you know, Where people can have impact, not only by retweeting a national story, but working in the local community. That's why I appreciate your call so much. Where can people find out more? 
So go to honest-electionsplural.com, honest-elections.com. Uh, that has everything going on on campaign finance reform here in the city of Portland and statewide. Uh, and then portlandcleanenergyfund.com, portlandcleanenergyfund.com. Folks around the country, they want to see a model of, hey, the national situation is, is dire, but let's make our local progressive community as progressive as possible and make it models for the country. These are two measures uh, that, that are both uh, likely, uh, if we get our signatures, to be on the November ballot and, and hopefully be models for the rest of the country. Jason, thank you so much for your call. Thank you. Happy birthday, Jefferson. Thanks, man. Want to hear now from Eric on Resist Listen on Resistance Radio in Milwaukee. Eric, can you hear me and can we hear you? Yes, I can. Thank you very much. Um, well, real quickly, as far as what I might be doing locally, and uh, happy birthday to you as well. Um, it is, and happy birthday to my mom on July 2nd. But anyways, locally. Happy birthday, Mom. After that, I'm sorry? I said happy birthday to your mom. Keep going. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, and uh, so, so real quickly is... Uh, is the um, and real quickly she'll turn sixty five and she's still going to be working. Story, story. Many people tell these yeah. days. So, yeah. anyways, um, is, is after hearing that that gentleman say what he said right there as a lifelong Nike fan, Mr. Phil Knight just basically established that I can no longer buy Nikes for myself or my family any, anymore. And um, so that's that's something new. Also, locally, um, I'm going to begin working with and for a local candidate for governor here um, in Wisconsin, Keller Roy. She's a very progressive woman. And uh, looking forward to working on that and, and getting to the, to the uh, primaries here and, and taking out Mr. Walker come November. Yeah. Eric, thank you so much. Going to Larry. Larry listening in Huntsville, Alabama. Speak your piece. We're going to do rapid fire for this last go. Try to get everybody through the queue. Speak your piece. Okay. Uh, the Mueller investigation. I think that's much more important than uh, we think because every time Mueller shakes a tree, some more Russians fall out. Yeah. And as Mueller traces the money from the Kremlin to the uh, United States, they may not all go to uh, the Trump machine. What do we do if some of those uh, money trails lead to Congress? Yeah. Uh, you well, know, the, the, we, we already know. That. I'm forget. Was it Rohrbacher? I'm forget. No, that's a. Uh, what's the what's yes. the uh, what's the name of the of the member of Congress that the, uh, Dana Rohrbacher? Yeah, that and that uh, Paul Ryan's colleague said. You know what? The two people who are on the Trump payroll are Trump and and Rohrbacher. That was at least that guy's. That was at least that guy's take. Larry, here is my uh, here is my little bit of a concern. Is that based in part on the strong jaw and the good brand of the FBI, that I think a lot of people are putting hope and faith into, uh, into the Mueller investigation. I don't want to take away that faith. I just don't want to rely upon it merely. That I worry that we are fighting the last war. We equate Watergate. There were things different. A stronger media, a stronger Democratic Party, a more actively engaged electorate supporting the kinds of values that would hold accountability, and the Republican machine hadn't grown to the degree that it has grown now in preparation for something like Watergate. I am hopeful that we will find the truth and that the truth will set us free. I am not only planning based on that hope. So we can get through everybody. Let us hear from Justin. Justin, Oklahoma, running for the Senate. You're running for the Senate? That is correct, Jeff. I am running for State Senate District 14 in Oklahoma. Thank you for doing that. Is it a, is it a swing seat? Is it a red seat? I'm not assuming it's a blue seat. Uh, it is not a blue seat. Uh, it will be a difficult seat to win. Uh, the uh, retired preacher is a vet and um, has been in there for two terms. So he's, he'll be, if reelected, it'll be his, his third term. Oh, I was going to ask. Are you still there? Did I lose you? Oh. Uh, 
Ron, Ron, go ahead. If you, the, the guy that I just accidentally dumped, I'm very sorry. If you call back, I wanted to get, give you a chance to give people your website running in Oklahoma. But, Ron, we're doing rapid fire at the very end. I should call it something else. Rapid movement. That's what we'll call it. Rapid movement at the end to get through everybody before the end of the show. Ron, you want to talk about Roe versus Wade? Yes. I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on who could possibly have standing in a case that would bring down Roe v. Wade. Oh, boy. Um, the it's a great question. Uh, the first my first answer is I don't know. My second answer is don't rely on what I'm about to say. My third answer. Remember those first two is I'm guessing standing won't be that hard an issue for two reasons. One, that if the uh, that if there is how would it come up? Here's how the case could come up. Uh, a state legislature passes a bill to ban abortion that uh, that ban is then broken by somebody who has or attempts to have an abortion. They bring that to court and say, hey, wait a minute. Roe versus Wade says this legislature can't keep me from having an abortion. They have standing. They then go, uh, they then win or lose their case, and that wins its way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court rules. And if the fifth justice is the fifth justice that Donald Trump promises and the fifth justice that Mitch McConnell and his Confederates will want, they will rule that that law passed by that legislature justly denied the right of that woman to have an abortion. Makes sense. Thank you very much. I, I think I answered happen. that question right. Uh, all right. Laura, WCPT, punk blank hey, blanks, ain't afraid of me, Chicago. Go ahead. Exactly. Happy birthday. Thanks. Um, I want to tell everybody that there is a way for the Senate Dems to block the um, nominee, Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court. Okay. And that is so that they would have to do it in unison. They would have to work together for sure, and they would have to block a quorum from occurring in the, in the Senate chambers. So it would be like day after day. They would avoid the Senate chambers in block. And because McCain is uh, you know, on semi-permanent leave, um, they don't, the, the Senate only has 50 Republicans. Um, the constitutional lawyer that wrote this up didn't think that, um, that Pence would add to a quorum. So that means that they, they would need 51. You might, majority you, 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 you might be right. Here's a challenge is that pretty sure the Senate president, the head of the Senate, Senate majority leader, has, can, can ask federal marshals to do a quorum call and drag people in. Uh, I believe that is in their power. Uh, the uh, Don't quote me on that. But something else I'll say is that the uh, I think McCain and McCain's McCain not showing up, Democrats being entirely united and Susan Collins having a moment of conscience, I think might have an understanding of history uh, might be a slightly greater hope. A bigger hope is we might be screwed and we got to have hope for the long term. Justin from Oklahoma running for the state Senate is back after being so rudely interrupted. Justin, what's your website? Justin4ok.com. That's uh, Justin, the number four, ok.com. Uh, we're, we're trying to put together a canvassing effort where we, we're not going to knock 2,000 doors in July and continue that through October. Um, there, I see a lot of rocks on the ground, as, as Jesse Jackson, you mentioned earlier, with the uh, Native American vote. And being a member of the Chickasaw Nation, I'm trying to get out the importance of Native Americans voting in general elections rather than only voting in their tribal elections, because it, they, your 
fall and die. If, pe if people are watching or, me on, on screen, the reason is because we have a we're, the tower is being buzzed right now. Uh, the, the the question I have for you, Justin, is: Do you view this as a coin flip district or as a pretty hard red district that you're, that you're hoping that a blue tide over and your hard work overcomes? I, I'm certainly. Um, it's little less than a coin flip, yep. so I'm not going to put the favor in mine, but we are looking for that blue wave. We had the highest turnout primary um, ever in Oklahoma, uh, just throughout the state, because of, we had state question 788, which was your medical marijuana question. So we're hoping to bring that into the November election and uh, mobilize and um, uh, persuade, like you're talking about, to, to get new voters out. And, and give your website one more time. Justin4ok.com. That's Justin, the number four, ok.com. And uh, any contributions would help. We're looking, you know, to raise 100000 and and flip this seat and, and bring some Democratic values back to the state Senate. Justin, thank you so much. The, uh, uh, one of the reasons I appreciate that call is that, and it gets nice. back to, it gets back to uh, J-Rob's uh, call and our conversation that the, uh, th that do we only focus on swing districts? Do we only focus, which tend to be suburban and exurban, leaning white districts? Do we only focus or primarily focus on base areas, which tend to be where more young people, more people of color live, where more people are, have higher density? Uh, the Howard Dean strategy was a 50 state strategy, recognizing that the best mobilization is persuasion, giving people a reason to do something. The power of because, a study done that had people asking to cut in line to a copy machine. And if they said, can I cut you in line? People were pretty nice, and a little over half of them said yes. But when they gave them a reason to cut in line, and they said, can I cut in line because I've got a, I got a thing i got to go to, 90% of the people said yes. And it wasn't the reason. It, in fact, was the because that was persuasive. Because even when they had an absurd reason, like, I have three pages, that's not a reason. But they said, because i got three pages, that the fact that merely having a reason was itself persuasive and got 90% rather than a little over 50% agreement. How do you mobilize? You persuade. How do you persuade? You mobilize. Because the more people are agreeing with you, the more social proof there is, and the more people asking for help in the copy line. This is the Tom Hartman Show. I'm Jefferson Smith. We're doing rapid movement. We'll do a few more calls before we wrap. Thanks for being here. I'm Jefferson Smith. Thanks for doing it. We are in the final stretch. It was Anything Goes Friday. It's almost the end of Anything Goes Friday. It's the 4th of July soon. I am feeling patriotic. I am feeling patriotic because at this moment, I think the idea of democracy is not merely a wasted word. It is not merely something that is assumed across the political firmament about which there is now a transpartisan consensus. And I am feeling small d democratic coming into the 4th of July. And I am also feeling that the argument of this country, the best parts of this country, are arguments that can be marshaled in favor of an anti-oppression, anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-ownership being the only thing that matters movement. Let's hear from Patrick from Long Island, New York. Hello? Yes, Patrick, go ahead, man. Hey, how's it going, Jefferson? Um... I'm in Long Island, New York. As you may or may not know, there's a new law here that makes it so tuition uh, for foreign students is going to double. 
and therefore tons of students are going to have to go home to their home countries, which may or may not be in good situations. This um, is so dumb. This is so dumb. Even if we, even if I don't listen to one of our callers previously who advised me not to separate morality, even if we separated morality and all we were looking at was the numbers, was ownership, very often how schools generate their money is by giving in-state tuition breaks and making sure there are additional students that come because fewer people are going to lots of colleges. They need the students. Exactly. Tell me why I'm wrong. So, so there's, there's um, basically, I, I got involved in this because a very special friend of mine, uh, she works her butt off trying to be here. She goes to school full time so she can have her status. And um, if, if I can, I started a GoFundMe for her. Um, it's going well. It's called uh, Move Mountains for Linera USA. And Linera is L-I-N-E-I-R-A. And I just wanted to be able to say that on here, and I'd really appreciate it if it got to some people. Thank you, Patrick. Going to Mark, the Republican Party insurgency. Yes, it's not a legitimate party anymore, Jefferson. This is an insurgency by the corporations and the 1%, and we need to call them out for what they are and not recognize them as a Republican Party that's supposed to be representative of the people. Thank you for your call. Andrew, 10 seconds. <clears throat> this is Andrew from Detroit. just wanted to share an idea. I am entering a 22-year-old black uh, man that I've been mentoring since 11. I am gathering him and his friends together to get them registered to vote between now and November and educating them, me and my wife, and throwing a party and driving into the polls if need be on election day. Just wanted to throw the idea so other people can grab it and run with it. Help people vote. Whose job is it? We've had calls about immigration. We've had calls about tuition. We've had calls about education. We've had calls about clean air and climate change. We've had calls about critical issues facing the country, your community, you personally. Whose job is that? Whose job is it to make sure we have clean air? Whose job is it to make sure that someone without a school has a chance to go to one? Whose job is it to make sure their tuition doesn't get doubled? It's nobody's job. And that's why it has to be all of our jobs. And that's why you are so important. The coalition of the benevolently irrational, the good people doing good things for no good reason. And with you, democracy is possible. Tom will be back next week. I'm Jeff. Thanks for having me. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.